On this week's episode of Read, Watch, or DNF, we close out Women's History Month with a classic, Louisa May Alcott's Little Women, and the 2019 film adaptation, and we ask the question, did Hollywood actually give Alcott the ending she deserved? And also, what happened to Aunt Carol? Really, really, what happened to her? Who is she? All right, welcome back, everyone, to Read, Watch, or DNF, where we break down book-to-screen adaptations one drunken podcast at a time. I'm Mel B, here with my co-host, Jackie D. All right, before we get started, as always, if you haven't already, please like, follow, share, give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening, and of course, write those reviews if you want to read what you have to say. We are closing out Women's History Month with this episode. We started with a boss bitch in The Devil Wears Prada, episode one. We did a badass bitch with the girl with the dragon tattoo, episode two. And then last week's episode, we did a brave, that's how we thought it was going to be. I have questions and concerns and objections to that assessment now. But we said a brave bitch with The Handmaid's Tale. And now for our finale brings us to some classic bitches with little women. We're kind of full circle, though, with Meryl yeah. Streep because she played Aunt March in this movie and we had Miranda Priestly at the beginning of the month. So. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to talking about Meryl Streep in this movie because I, mm, 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 I don't, maybe I didn't love her. Maybe I didn't. And I think other people didn't love her in it either, but we'll get to that. All right, let's start off with what we are drinking. Jackie, what are you drinking? Well, it was a toss-up for a while between Miller Lite, <laughs> because they pull, and you they know, are it's yeah. American, like, quote, beer, end quote. It might as well be water. They don't really drink a whole lot of alcohol in the book, so it's really hard to get alcohol inspiration from this book. Mm-hmm. But the other option was the Chardonnay Wine Cube at Target. <laughs> Again, because they poe. You know what they do drink though in the hmm. actually in the movie and the book, um, champagne. But it's always like, ooh, yeah. I'm doing something bad. Okay, yeah. so she's drinking a wine out of a box in a coffee cup. In a coffee cup. That's right. I am drinking vodka with lime juice and a monster because I drank my last bottle of wine last night. Steven did not want to go get me anymore today. I did not want to leave the house. And we had vodka and we have limes and we had monsters in the house. So I'm drinking that out of a mason jar with a straw, with a blue plastic, um, what do you call these straws? Like bendy straw? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also eating cannoli chips. That's amazing. From Wegmans? From Wegmans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that's where we're at. Yeah. All right. So I, it was my week to find the drinking game and actually Jackie found it and she sent it to me. So she did my work for me. I decided to go ahead and watch the movie again, just before we started. So if I'm a little bit, um, I actually had to tap out of this drinking game because I decided to do the extreme version of it. Uh, it is from when to drink.com. I think it's a Canadian and, website. And this is the two that this is for the 2019 version these are the main rules then i'll get into what the extreme version and the extremely extreme version is normal baseline rules anyone says march take a drink next one anyone mentions marriage uh that is basically the premise 
of this story, even with their children, they talk about marrying and then you get to the second part of the book and it's all about marriage. Anytime Joe writes or reads, which is consistent, Mm -hmm. Amy draws or paints, which it actually in the movie, it starts off because it will get into how it time jumps, but you're right away. Amy is drawing, painting, sketching. And then the next one, last one, is there's a time jump. So this one means it's specifically for the 2019 adaptation. The extreme version is this. You add Lori for an additional 30 plus drinks. And it's serious. It's constant how often they say Lori. Now, for the extremely extreme version, add Joe for an additional, Mm. get this, 100 plus drinks. So if you add all this up, this one surpasses the Devil Wears Prada drinking game, which I think you're at like 150 something. Yeah. Yeah. So you're already at, if you just attack on Lori and Joe, you're already at 130 plus. You're drinking a lot in this. Yeah. Um, So that's why I said I had to tap out. I tapped out about (laughs) 15 minutes into the movie. I was already on drink three and I'm like, I'm just going to continually slowly sip and I Mm -hmm. feel like I'm matching it. All right. (laughs) I would also advise maybe just stick to the normal version of this game or pick the extreme or extremely extreme, but just do that. So either just do Lori or just do Joe. And if depends way, on how just... drunk you want to get. Yeah. 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 But please maybe don't do it all. Let's talk about this book. The book is Little Women. It was written by Louisa May Alcott, and it was originally published in 1868 and 1869, and that is because when it was originally written and put out in two volumes, part one being Little Women and part two being Good Wives. Later on, they ultimately put the two together, and that's what you get now if you were to order the book or read the book Little Women. It is both of them. And as you're reading it, you'll see it has a part two. So you have part one, which is them as children, and then part two, which is them as adults. It is categorized as a coming-of-age story, but also a semi-autobiographical autobiographical novel, since the story is loosely based on Alka and her three sisters. The story has been adapted since the beginning, like the turn of the century. The first one was 1912. It was, a broad, it was on Broadway. Then it had a whole bunch of other stage adaptations they did, like in London, Australia, across the world. It's had a total of seven film adaptations, the first one being in 1917, and the most recent being the 2019 that we're doing. It's had a bunch of TV adaptations. It even had a musical. It's had a miniseries. It's even had an anime adaptation. In Japan, they did a Little Women anime. Uh, That would be interesting to watch just because I know how extreme the emotions are in anime. Yeah. I wonder if they have, like, superpowers, too. They're like, Possibly. I'll just, yeah. I would just be thinking about Sailor Moon yeah. the whole time. That, that, maybe that's where they got Sailor Moon from. It's actually just Little Women. All right, let's get into who read what first and who watched and how we did it. Jackie read first. So how'd you read it? I read on Kindle. It was, the title page had a little line down on the bottom that said Pandora's Box Classics. Hmm. No publication year or anything. So we're just going to go with the 1868 and 1869. Uh, And then I watched the movie on Amazon Video. I watched the movie first on Apple. I bought it. Then I read the book. I like to read physical books. I ordered these before the beginning of March so we could start prepping for this. And I just found this one on Amazon and it has a really, really pretty cover. I'll post it on social media so you can see. Ordered it. It came. 
And then I'm looking through it and I realize there's no publication information whatsoever in it. That's interesting that your Kindle edition also had no publishing info. So very, very strange. Yep. Little Women inspires a lot of adaptations, but it also inspired a lot of stories. So other shows, books, films that are not necessarily Little Women, but along that same topic, outline, character development, etc. But this one is hilarious to me. It's called Little Vampire Women, and it's by Lynn Messina, <laughs> I believe her name is. And then I found it even more interesting. She's actually from Long Island where I am from as well in New York. So <laughs> I didn't look into it too deeply, but I kind of want to read it now. I wonder if it's those like court classics where you're pride and prejudice and zombies and Abraham Lincoln, the uh, vampire hunter or whatever. Oh, vampire hunter. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was funny. I mean, it's the same time frame as uh, Abraham Lincoln. So maybe Abraham Lincoln was hunting them. If the title alludes yeah. to them being vampires. So maybe he was trying to get them. Or if not, we just gave an idea for a new story. Yeah. Um, you can send copyrights to us. <laughs> <laughs> royalties. Yeah, we'll get royalties. Yeah, royalties. Yeah. yeah, royalties. It's our idea. We'll we'll sell it to you. Just reach out to us. And this is recorded, so we have we have documentation. Yep. Alcott actually didn't want to write this novel at all. Did not care, did had no desire to write it. But her publishing office pressured her into doing it. So she's like, fuck it. Here we go. And she pumped it out in like 10 weeks. Who are we dedicating our F-bombs to? Mo. Mo. My, my wonderful sister keeps with the theme of this episode. Little mm. Women. It's all sisters. about sisters. So. Sisters we love and hate. Everything, everything is dedicated to my sister and her cats, Frankie and Carol Ann. These are all for you. Name. All the F-bombs. Yeah. <laughs> Alcott never married, hence why she was really adamant about Joe not marrying Lori. In the end of the book, she does get married. Um, why we picked this 2019 adaptation is because we were promised that this was supposed to give the ending that Alcott deserved with Joe not getting married. We are going to debate this. And the fact that we have to debate it kind of leans to, I don't think she actually they did what they said they were going to do because it's really no. sort of up in the air. But Lori's character, allegedly, she didn't come out and say this, but a lot of people who knew her and after the fact said that they believe that Lori's character was based on a Polish musician that she had some sort of fling with. Get it, girl. Scandalous. Scandalous. Get it. <laughs> or at that time, never getting married. I don't know if this is a thing, but I also wonder, like, maybe she was a lesbian. It's possible. Yeah. Like maybe like, do we have to put something else to it? Like maybe she was just a lesbian. She just didn't care. She didn't like dudes. Oh, yeah. And Lori Jane, was her friend. Jane Austen never got married. Yeah. Maybe they're just all lesbian. Like, why is that so weird? And can we not think that? I mean, well, whatever. Back then it was like what we said before. It was scandalous. It was very scandalous. I love how they'd rather make her a slut than make her a lesbian. <laughs> All right, let's get into reviews. Jackie, let's let's talk about these book reviews. Okay, for once, I found short reviews. Oh, must yeah. be nice. The five out of five star reviews, I found two of them that I really liked on Goodreads. But the first five out of five, Little Women is the story of March girls, Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy, and spans them 
from their teens to adulthood, matrimony, and motherhood. Modeled after her family, Alcott weaves a charming story with a truthful and accurate account of human characters and human relationships. This realistic approach, so sincerely done, has captured the hearts of millions of readers across the globe and throughout centuries to become one of the most enduring classics. So I think the person who wrote this review drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. That's what it's about. I mean, I don't really disagree with anything that they say. It it is accurate. I know I read this a long time ago, but it is just a different style of read because it is very dated. This next five out of five I picked, I kind of picked Mel because you found uh, it a review at some point for one of the last three books slash screen adaptations that we did that obviously is not English as a first language. We do love those. This is all one sentence with minimal punctuation. I can tell this become my favorite classic book besides all classics books of the queen of classics books, Jane Austen. And you can see a lot of classic word here. She does say the word classic a lot, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do love how they say the classics books of the queen of classics books, Jane Austen. Respect, absolutely. Yes. She is. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you can see a lot of classic word here. Accurate. <laughs> And then big smiley face at the end. (laughs) Yes, big smiley face. Okay, the one out of five that I found really, really spoke to me. It touched (laughs) my heart. (laughs) To me, this book is just a big neon highlighted literary exclamation mark defining how incredibly different I am from my mother. She loves this book. Really, really loves it. A lot. She always used to tell me how great she thought it was, although as a kid, I somehow avoid reading it. Mainly because at this point, I was too busily busy dangling from a climbing frame by my ankles or stealing scrap wood from building sites in order to make dens, dens and tree houses. As it is prominently placed on the 1001 books list, I thought, what the hell? I'll give it a go. Man, oh man, what an epic snooze fest. Less than 20 pages in, I could feel my mind slowly shutting down. Was it through boredom? Or was I entering a diabetic coma because of the saccharine (laughs) overload created by the sickly sweet world of Margaret, Joe, Beth, and Amy? Anyway, to avoid succumbing to said coma, I threw the book as far away from me as I could and then chucked a blanket over it to ensure that I wouldn't be affected by the mind-numbing dullness being exuded from between the covers. I know that I risk howls of outrage at this lambasting of a much-loved plastic, but this ticked no boxes for me. I am clearly dead inside. I love how this reviewer is really sort of self-deprecating in this review and not really taking a lot out on the book itself. It's more like, there's got to be something wrong with me and I accept it. I'm dead inside. It honestly (laughs) sounds like a review that I would write for something I don't like. It is. It's, yes. Here's the, the irony of this review. She starts, or he, she, whatever this is, starts to go into why she never, or why they never read it as a younger but it reads like Little Women. Yeah. How <laughs> Alcott does it in the book. You have all this yeah. really extra unnecessary information. And so she did much. it herself. The irony in this review right here. That is great. I loved it. Okay. I went to IMDb again. And remember, we're only doing user ratings. We don't care about what the critics have to say. It was a... Did you do the overall for your book? Oh, no. Uh, 
There were, it was an average 4.12 out of five stars. There were almost 2 million ratings. I think it was 1.9 something million ratings. Um, But for reviews, people who actually took the time to write content in those ratings, it was about 38.5 thousand reviews and almost 850,000 out of all of the ratings were five stars. Oh, that's over. Yeah. That's 44. Yeah. 44%. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's a a classic. Yeah. Well, when we get to my review Mm -hmm. at the end, I'll, I'll go into my thoughts on that. Okay. Fair enough. We can't wait. Mm -hmm. Okay. Back to the movie. So the movie IMDb again, user ratings. We don't care about the critics. There is a hundred and eighty-seven thousand four hundred seventy. The side my check, which was literally like twenty minutes ago, and thirteen point nine percent of them were ten out of ten. Thirty-one point four percent, which is the highest concentration of ratings, was eight out of ten. The lowest at zero point five percent was two out of ten, meaning fewest people gave it two out of ten. And then one out of ten was about one point one percent. So overall, the movie rates on the higher end of the scale. out of 10, it's almost an 8. So generally, the majority of the people liked it. I did not have the luck that Jackie did with reviews. Again, (laughs) this reminded me of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. These reviews were basically just them writing out the screenplay themselves. It was just, what? Like, why is there so much to write about this movie? One 10 out of 10 is this. Absolutely love this movie, family-friendly treat. And I'm going to tell you why I picked this in a minute. Yeah. The review says, in an era with so much inappropriate and disgusting messages in the movie industry, this movie is an absolute treat for me and my family. True. Clean, no swearing, no blood or gory violence. Yeah, that would be weird if that was this movie. (laughs) No sex references or scenes on any gender. That's weird. Or scenes on any gender. Okay. I think it's talking about like no sex references, no sex scenes on any gender. I don't understand the on any gender. I think they might have meant of any gender or. Sure. Yeah, it's the weird part. But they wanted to put that in there. The sophistication and level of beauty of a well-written and well-acted movie is a wonderful change. I encourage those to watch it if you're tired of horrible messages in movies. The only thing is the flashbacks may be hard to keep up. Mm -hmm. Just be aware of filters and other indications of the timeline of the movie to notice if it is in the past or present. This one is sort of along the lines of almost all the reviews, good or bad. People didn't really like the time jumping. Uh, Ultimately, but found the timeline very necessary and suspenseful, suspenseful. Lovely movie for me and my family and can't recommend it enough. I like this review really because of the review that follows it. It's going 10 out of 10 family friendly. And the next review right under it is 10 out of 10. And it's, it's called this movie is charming as fuck. (laughs) That's to you, Mo. Charming as fuck. So I did a five out of 10 as well. Get the mid ground of this movie. It says it's entitled a bit of a grind says little women is simply a story of its time and a bit of a boring one at that. If Greta Gerwig can't make it captivating, nobody can. So I don't even know if this is a review on the movie or the book. I don't either. (laughs) She's just like, this story sucks. I don't like it. If Greta can't do it, nobody can. So that's five out of five. One out of one, one out of 10, I should say. I have two of them. First one is funny. Second one is very funny. First one, one out of 10, terrible. Not my type of movie. This movie should sit in the back of my bathroom cabinet and never come out. Should go there now. Don't watch it. One star. Who's putting movies in their bathroom cabinet? It's like it's detention or time out for the movie. Leave it there. 
sell the house. <laughs> of course, anyway. that requires buying the DVD or the Yeah, Blu-ray. who does it anymore either? And, okay, last rating, one out of 10. Boring. What a waste of time. I don't get it. How the hell can people find this movie interesting is just beyond me. Felt like a three-hour movie. It is kind of long. Mm-hmm. I had to break up with my girlfriend after the movie for forcing <laughs> me to watch it with her. <laughs> that's that's our first on record snort yeah that's our first podcast snort Woohoo! we did it and it took little women (laughs) all right let's talk about major characters um let jackie go first since she read the book so these are the characters that we think are major and integral to the plot and moving of the story for the book and then i'll do the movie Okay, so for the book, I had Joe, Meg, Beth, and Amy, obviously the March sisters. Uh, we also had Laurie, Mr. Lawrence, his grandfather, uh, Mr. Brooke, and Professor Bear. Uh, I also think Marmy or Mrs. March is kind of a major character in the book, but not like major, major. I feel like she drives like their conscience. She's just like their yeah. sounding board at all times. Yeah. I, for the movie, I went with Joe. Meg, Beth and Amy, four sisters, and Lori. All the other characters from the book are still in the movie. I just feel like they don't matter at all. You could take every Mm -hmm. single one of them out and I still feel like you'd have the same movie. I mean, maybe like they try to make a bigger deal out of the Hummels and Brooke. I feel Mr. Brooke is, I feel like he's more present in the movie than he is in the book actually, which is weird. Because they like introduce him a lot sooner in the movie, and he's doing stuff with Laurie more so than he is in the book. But I, I still will stick by mm, the sisters and Laurie because those are the ones that are just constantly back and forth, back and forth. And then the professor, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe the professor in the movie a little bit, just because he's introduced immediately. Where in the book, you don't get him till part two. And then he's just yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick no. with the sisters and Lori for the movie. Everything re- revolves around them, and the drama around them. So Joe is played by what did we just say her name was? Sersha. 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 Sersha Ronan. Meg is Emma Watson. Beth is Eliza Scanlon, and I had to look her up because I had no idea who she was. Amy is played by Florence Pugh, and I. Didn't realize how much stuff she's been in that I've watched. She was in Fighting with the Family, that stupid wrestling movie with The Rock. Oh, yeah, she was the yeah. main character there. She was also in Midsummer, that really weird, creepy movie that I watched, and I actually enjoyed it. It's so, it's such a weird movie. She's in that. She's obviously the Black Widow's sister, and then Lori is played by Timothy Tim, Timothy Chalamet. Is that how you say his name? Shalama? Timothy? I would look at it as Chalamet. Chalamet? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. The younger girl's He's a young guy. Name. Yeah. He was just in Dune for anyone that watched that. We need, we, need to ask, we need to ask the girls then. I think the girls <laughs> do know how to say his name. All right. Let's talk about casting then for this. We have Saoirse, Saoirse Ronan for Joe. I was reading reviews and a lot of people didn't like her as Joe. I think she was fine. Maybe a little bit more so animated than in the book uh meaning with like the temper tantrum she has in the movie but i don't think that's her i think that's just how they portrayed it in the movie so i think she did well meg is emma watson i don't know 
I didn't care for it. See, I would see Emma Watson more as a Beth. Right? Yeah, maybe. Just quiet. Yeah, because I, when I, I just think about the 1994 adaptation with Claire Danes and how she played Beth. Mm-hmm. I feel like Emma Watson would be much better suited to that role. Especially because Emma Watson looks so young. And she's supposed to be, Meg is supposed to be older than Jeff. Yeah, she's supposed to be the oldest. They go through a lot of lengths in the book to talk about how beautiful she is, how womanly she is, how this and that. Yeah, Emma Watson, I don't know. I I don't hate it, but I was like, eh, I feel like they could have did something better. Beth, again, is that Eliza Scanlon? I, fine. I, sure, she's sort of homely looking and she was quiet and the character itself is meh. So I, I feel like I didn't care who played her. So Eliza mm-hmm. sure. Then Amy is Florence Pugh. And older Amy, I did not have an issue with Florence. But the younger Amy, she's 12 years old in the book. That's the character. She's 12. So you literally have like a 30-year-old playing a 12-year-old. And when she was trying to yeah. enact a sort of like childish behavior, it just looked really weird. And it felt cringy to me. And I know that we're not dealing with the 1994 adaptation, but in the 1994 adaptation, they had Kirsten Dunst playing the younger Amy and Samantha Mathis playing the older Amy. And I think it helped a lot in that movie having different actresses play the different age ranges. Yeah, because they are young. They're so young in the beginning. And when they're doing the time hopping, it might have actually made it easier to do the time jumping that they were doing going back and forth having children then two adults um Mm -hmm. i didn't hate it as much as for the rest of the scissors as much as i did for amy's just because she's Mm -hmm. supposed to be so young she acts really young in the book she's a 12 year old she's like and all little fits that she was throwing in the movie just seemed so weird with florence Pugh doing it and then lastly uh well not lastly but lori uh, Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet, I don't know. I, again, think that he could have played one of the Lorries being the younger one. If we had young Lori, mm-hmm. I think he did really well. I have no issues with what Timothy Chalamet did during the movie. I thought he was excellent. But the older Lori, he doesn't fit the description of the book. He's supposed to be like over six foot. He's half Italian. He's supposed to be tall, dark, handsome, sturdy, and that is nothing that Timothy Chalamet is. He's not tall. No. He's not sturdy. He's not dark, except for his hair. Mm-hmm. So it just, it's, <laughs> it was weird. It was weird when they were older, him playing it. It was weird when Florence was trying to play young Amy. I think they could have broken it up like they did in the other. I think something we both agreed on was Frederick. So the professor, he's played by a French actor with a thick French accent. Yeah. But he's German. They don't actually say yeah. in the movie where he's from, but he has a German name. Yeah. That was weird to me. And I also don't feel like he matched the description of the book. But he also may be one of those characters where you can take a lot of creative liberties with because there isn't too much put into developing him. So you're just like, oh, we have this character. We're just going to make him however we want. Yeah. And in, in the book, I noticed that there's a lot of focus on the fact that he was teaching Joe German. Yes. Which seems like an odd thing at the time. Mm-hmm. I, okay, history degree. I wrote my senior thesis on German immigrants into the United States during the Civil War. It was a huge, 
huge part of the population. And the fact that in the movie, they would just go ahead and, in my opinion, make him French is discounting an entire portion of the population of the United States at that time. And while we're at it, what is with the constant digs at Irish people? Well, that was at that time frame, especially in that Northeastern area. Think of like gangs Irish in New York. need not apply. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Irish were just, yeah. They were like <clears throat> the blacks of the North, I guess you could call it. I just, I don't understand why they would just arbitrarily make him French. Yeah, that was weird. I don't think, but again, they don't explicitly say what he is, but you you casted a French actor who has a thick French accent. And you're right. Could be from Alsace. No. No, I think it was just really lazy. I'm I'm reading too much into this. Yeah, I think it was a lot of the complaints, the reviews was that the filmmaking, the casting, the writing was just really lazy for this adaptation. And I kind of agree with them. And I think the fact that they didn't Mm -hmm. split up the younger sisters from the older ones in terms of casting was also really lazy. Um, And they left in certain things. And maybe they just failed to realize that that was how it was back then with the Germans, because in the book, there's the Hummels, right? And in the movie, they make such a big deal about the Hummels. That is a German immigrant family and they're coming over, they're poor. That's what they're dealing with them. Um, So, and you have the tutors that are teaching German. You have him coming over uh, from Germany in the book to become, he was a professor there, but now he's just like a language teacher, I think is what they say in the book. So maybe it's just ignorance too, when they're they're focusing on more shallow things in the movie that they didn't pick up from the book or they didn't care to speak on in the movie, which again, creative liberties. And I think the feel they were trying to go for with the movie wasn't a history lesson. So I don't give them too much grief, but yeah, French with a German name, French accent is weird. Is weird. He also doesn't look like how the characters described in the book. So, and I think he, the care professor Barris supposed to be much older. Mm-hmm. I don't know if obscenely older, but they do talk about him being old. So I have a feeling he's probably like in his thirties. Some of the other actors, which they definitely put some care into casting was aunt March, who mm-hmm. is a, I'm not going to say she's a major character. I think she's like a third tier character in the book. She provides some context to things, but I don't think she drives the plot in any way. And we're about to get into uh, why, I really don't think she drives the plot here in a minute with the introduction of Aunt Carol. We're going to figure out who is she. <laughs> but they, they casted Meryl Streep into Aunt March. And this is why I believe they got rid of Aunt Carol for the movie because Aunt March, as you know, Meryl Streep as Aunt March is a big deal. And actually, there's a lot of stuff they changed in the movie and made it more contemporary in terms of viewpoints and feminism and stuff because of Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep convinced Greta Gerwig to add some of these different sort of monologues. Like Amy goes in talking about how, what a woman, what a woman's worth really is because how she has to marry and et cetera, et cetera. And she doesn't have her own money. And if she has kids, her kids are not hers, et cetera. That's not in the book. All the sort of Mm -hmm. outwardly feminine viewpoints or feminist viewpoints is because Meryl Streep was like, you should add this in so contemporary audiences really understand how deep it was. So there's that. And then also, I felt like Meryl Streep as Aunt March was just an old Miranda Priestly. It gave a lot of those Mm -hmm. vibes of like, "Mm, whatever, that's all. 
<laughs> that's all. Bore somebody else with your questions. That's how Aunt March played off. Where in the book, I didn't really get that feel from her. So what? She's older. And then also, if you realize in the movie, they they cast her or they portray her as Father March's sister. When in the book, she is his aunt. So she would be the girl's mm-hmm. great aunt. So she is much older. She is a widower. She was married. She had a child. In the died. book, yeah. yeah. In the book. Yeah. But in the movie, in they're the like, movie, she didn't do anything. She's never married. Never married. Never had kids. Has her own money. And it's like, I feel like that's disingenuous because the the message that she's putting out about how you have to marry well. And then this conversation she has with Joe, which doesn't happen in the book. Which going like, well, what are you saying? I have to marry is the only way I can, you know, be successful or take care of myself. And she goes, no, I'm just trying to help you set up for a what better life or something. But that way you have to marry. She's like, but you have money. She's like, or no, she says you're not married. She goes, yeah, but I'm rich. So that whole conversation is so contradictory because she's like, no. I never married, but I'm rich and I'm successful because I can do this because I have money, but you can't do it. You need to get married to do it. I'm like, what sense does this make? (laughs) And they also in the movie don't care to explain how Aunt March has her own wealth by never marrying and never doing anything. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's very, again, lazy. I agree with some of the reviews saying it was lazy. Then the other casting they did for the mother and the father I didn't have any issues with. I also just didn't care, but it felt weird. Like these are bigger actors that they placed on these characters mm-hmm. that they did nothing with in the movie. They're much bigger in the book, I would argue, but in the movie they're like, they're there. The father is also very strange, very, very minor role. I felt like I almost felt like in the movie, they were trying to remove the importance of the father in this family and that it was just the girls and their mother. Yes, he was away at war, but everything they do is basically for him. And all their morals yeah. that they have instilled in them is from him. And also, he's a preacher. He went to the army as a chaplain. They don't mm-hmm. make note of that, which would have been wise because the whole way they live their lives is very, you know, instilled in these religious this religious doctrine and this religious teachings and that's how they live their life. But it's like, they didn't want to talk about religion at all, which brings me to this whole, it's a modern woke. They didn't want to talk about religion because it's going to be offensive, but it's also disingenuous because it doesn't give an accurate portrayal of why they think the way they do, why they act the way they do and why they live the way they do. It was weird. And then just brought him back and he's like in the background the whole time. It was very strange. Yeah, I was not a fan of that, especially considering the fact that, like you said, they did not talk about religion at all. And that is a huge, huge part of the book. Yeah, it's a huge they do. It starts off with that. A major plot point is it starts off in the book that they are in Christmas Day and they're complaining about what they don't have. And they get these, their mother gives them these little books. And the books are, they don't say they're Bibles or anything. I don't think they are. I think they're just like, tenements almost about this is really how you should live your life and the girls are like yeah we're gonna they try might better. be devotion books yeah something like that like they're like we're gonna do better and that's the whole first part where every chapter is essentially like a, a lesson in morality movie starts 
with the girls as adults. So you meet them as women and you meet each one of them at their stage in life. Beth is at home being homely, being a meh character. Amy is in Europe with Aunt March. And we're going to talk about this because in the book, that's not how it happens. She goes to Europe with Aunt Carol, Flo, and Uncle. Characters you never met before. And all of a sudden, she's going to Europe with them. But anyway, Laurie's also there because he's traveling with his, or sort of with his grandfather, but his grandfather's in Germany. So he's in Paris. Which they do explain that a little bit in the book later on. And he went over with his grandfather. His grandfather Mm -hmm. decided to stay in London or Paris or something to take care of business. And Laurie went exploring on his own because he finished college. He's like, I'm doing boy stuff because I can and Mm -hmm. I'm rich. Joe is in New York, uh, working at the boarding, working and living at the boarding house. That's where we get introduced to the professor right away. So here we are. We have, and Meg is at home with two children in a and small John. house. John. Arguing about why she bought so many yards of some kind of fabric to make it. Yeah. So they're setting the scene they don't have the that money. they don't, there's, yeah, they're setting the scene that they don't have a lot of money. So that's where we are. The movie is we, we meet all of them in their different stages. But in the book, we start off Christmas morning or yeah, Christmas morning with them as children. Yeah. And this yep. is the beginning where we realize that their father's at war. They're kind of poor. But I also feel like they're not really poor because they go and visit the Hummels and the Hummels are actually poor. I just think they're middle class because they live in between the Hummels and the Lawrence. Yeah, I think it's one of those things kind of like in Jane Austen books where you have a Lord's daughter or a gentleman and his family and they are they've fallen on hard times but they still have like a six or seven bedroom house with a front sitting room and a back sitting room and a maid and all this other stuff they are poor compared to the other lords and ladies in their neighborhood but not as poor as the hummels would be living in a shack where you can see like half-inch gaps between planks in the walls. Yeah. (laughs) That's not funny. We're not laughing at that. Also, think about the setting here. Isn't this a weird plot of land where you literally have them all as neighbors, but they are distinctly different? We have the one house, the Lawrences, that are very rich, very wealthy. Yeah. Then you have the Marches that are middle class, but they're they're quite literally right next to each other. Like you There's can see a hedge the house. between the properties. Yeah. yeah, like you can see the house from the other house. And then they walk over, they do a three-minute stroll, and they're at the Hummels, which are living in a shack. It, to me, I don't know. I just think that's weird. I just think that's weird how yeah. the properties in Massachusetts during you know the mid-19th century allowed for that. And I don't think it really did. I wonder if, I wonder if Alcott's just not good at world development. I just think that's not how it would play out. Unless she's drawing on personal experience and maybe you had them at the very edge of the upper class area, the marches, Mm -hmm. and then maybe right down the road you have the immigrant poor families who are living in shacks, essentially. There's like a railroad track there. But it's not that far away, yeah. Okay, anyway. So the beginning of the book you have them there, uh, Christmas complaining... And then why we were stressing about how the religion is so important is because that is how the story, the plot starts is we are going to try and be better girls because our father would have wanted that. Our mother needs us to be that. And this is what essentially God wants in us. 
So that's how we mm-hmm. start the first part of the book or the first volume. Lori is introduced to living with his really, really rich grandfather. He's an orphan. You get the sort of backstory that his mother was Italian. His grandfather didn't like that his dad married an Italian. Um, you're getting a lot of these like racist type tendencies of the time frame where a lot of the immigrants like Italians, Irish, Germans coming over and in the Northeast area. So you're, you're getting that through the writing. It's not blatant, but you can you know, deduce that that's what it is. So, well, people in the Northeast at the time were very, very staunch mm-hmm. Christians or if they were Protestants and mm-hmm. those groups were primarily Catholic. So it was difficult. So a big thing that the movie departs from the book that I had an issue with, I can understand for the flow of it, but I think they did this to themselves because of the time jumping. Joe gets summoned by her family to return home while she's still in New York because Beth is ill. And this sets a whole new turn of the plot where she leaves New mm-hmm. York. She goes back to Massachusetts home to care for Beth. But then also because Amy's in Europe, one of the points is Joe is kind of being a bitch about Amy still being in Europe because the family's like, oh no, we don't want to... We don't want her to come home. We want her to spend her time in Europe because it's a once in a lifetime chance. So they're creating this unnecessary drama that does not exist in the book. And that's because they have Joe come home early, but that's not how it happens in the book. Joe goes to New York. She spends her year, summer, whatever time there and then comes back and that's it. There was just her working and writing and working as a governess, but they introduce this right away in the movie and they create all this unnecessary drama that doesn't exist in the book. And so I can understand, now I can understand why the, the movie is trying to make it more dramatic because it really is not in the book. I don't know if it's because they're trying to make it dramatic or if it's because of the time jumping, they had to do something like that to make it make sense or to actually include her time in New York because they make such a big deal about it in the movie. While in the book, it's really not a big deal. She goes to New York, she comes back, fantastic. And that's it, right? Or am I missing something? No, you're not. And I totally agree with you because I did not understand the point of making it Beth's illness what drove her back. I mean, okay, in the book, when she was going through all of this, going to New York, and then she just goes back when she's supposed to. I think it was like six months. She completed her contract. (laughs) Yeah, she she did what she went there to do, and she didn't accomplish everything that she wanted to, but still, she went there, had the experience, and then went back to the home. And I don't understand the necessary move that they did with the movie of forcing her back because Beth got sick. Yeah, and I wonder if it's because they wanted to play more into the drama and they wanted to play into more of the relationship side. Because if they didn't do New York right up front, you wouldn't meet the professor. So you wouldn't start to create this relationship between them. So I get it. And then also with this jumping back and forth, when you meet Amy, she's like, Oh, I'm so sorry that Joe refused you, Lori. When in the book, Mm -hmm. Amy had no idea. Amy's just living her best life in Europe and has no idea what all the petty bullshit that's happening back in the States. She had to wait for Lori to, yeah, she had to wait for Lori to say something. Yeah. She has a little bit of an idea that Beth is not doing too great. Um, but her family's trying to hide it from her, but she's not stupid. Uh, and this is, and then they, they create this more drama between Amy and Lori 
She's like, oh, meet me at the ball. And he comes in all drunk. And she's like, I waited an hour for you. And now I despise you. And he creates this scene. And she's apologizing to whatever his name is, Fred. It's like, that didn't happen Mm -hmm. in the book. Like, he met her on time. And they had a good time. And they were just hanging out. He just spending his time with her. She does at one point tell him, like, you are lazy. And I I think you're wasting your time. I just want to put this out there in the front. I know that Amy is the youngest one and she's supposed to be the vain one. I still think that Amy has the greatest character arc of all the sisters. She's the one that does a complete 180 and she actually grows. You have all these lessons in morality and these... um, and she's the only one that actually takes them and heeds their warnings and does something about in it. In the movie or the book? The book. You don't get that in the movie. You don't get okay. it in the movie. Well, because for the book, I felt that Meg was the most vain. Oh, no. Meg is the most vain. Because she kept talking about she kept talking about possessions and dresses and how she, I guess, envied Sally Moffat mm. and couldn't help but buy this stuff when Sally Moffat was shopping and stuff like that. So Meg, I think, and I, I just can't get the 1994 adaptation out of my head, but they change, I think, Meg from the book to the movie it doesn't matter what adaptation they change her the most out of it because they try to make her seem more motherly where in fact she's Mm -hmm. really immature and she has a false sense of what being a mother and a wife is which she describes better in the book where Mm -hmm. she's just like she is really unsure and she has a very shallow view of it and it causes a lot of issues for her in her ultimately her marriage and then her being a mother like she's just a weak she's a weak character i would say she's very vain so from part one you have amy being the child the youngest one she is selfish she does says a lot of silly things but she starts to actually work at it meg doesn't joe i just think is a brat the whole first part of the book and the movie i think throughout the whole movie she's just a brat and they make her more so a brat than she is in the book which i was like why would you do that especially if joe is supposed to be the heroine because that's what greta gerwig was going at with directing this is she thought well joe was my hero growing up and alcott is my hero as an adult she said something like that but she made joe seem like such a a fucking brat more so amy they don't show any of the arc they show her as a child being really really selfish and bratty because she's 12 but then all of a sudden you have her in in paris Mm -hmm. being like this really refined lady and you don't see any of the growth you don't get any of that for amy it's supposed to be like it just happens which i felt it was really fair and if you're going to show like the growth of a, a a girl to a woman i think amy was probably the best example of that and they don't Beth gets scarlet fever as a child. It's a little bit worse than they thought it was going to be. They allude to the fact that she is still kind of weak and she always will be weak, but they don't really spend a lot of time talking about it. You just get it in bits and pieces. But then all of a sudden it's out of nowhere. There's one chapter where it's like, well, Beth died. And it's a very short chapter. It's literally Mm -hmm. like a page and a half. They talk about how the parents are, you know, ready to let go. And Joe says goodbye. And Beth is ready to say goodbye. And we're just like, what, what? Beth, where'd you go? That's it. And then everyone just moves on with their life. Yeah, she's not afraid. But literally everyone just moves on with their life immediately. Next page, we're on to it. Something else. But in the movie, they make Beth's death just the entire story. They take her to the sea. They do this. Amy comes back. Whatever. Okay, sure. 
we'll work with it. I thought it was stupid, but also maybe they give more credit to best deaths. I, I just didn't <laughs> care about it. I was like, all right, that died. How do, how, do, how do you really, how do you really feel about it, Mel? I don't know. I, <laughs> Beth, I just didn't connect with her. I thought it was a stupid character. There's a lot of stuff I, I marked in the beginning of the book where I, I feel like Alcott may have related to Beth more than Joe. Like Joe is what she wanted to be, but Beth was how she felt because there's a lot of insight into how Beth is quiet, but she's really the sturdy one in the family, but she's the one that keeps everyone together. And if she weren't there, everything would fall apart, but nobody recognizes that. Nobody gives her credit and she's sort of in the shadow. It was very emotional and dramatic departure from the rest of the writing that she's doing to describe Beth where I was like, is this how you feel, Louisa? Beth mm-hmm. is the moral compass. Beth, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm with you. Mm-hmm. She's just like a eh, character. She does play play a much bigger role in the book than she did in the movie. Yeah, just, yeah. I didn't, and I didn't care she is she is quite literally uh, Joe's moral compass. Like whenever Joe is thinking about doing anything, she goes and talks to Beth, and yeah. Beth tells her. It's probably not a good idea. You do what you do. You live your yeah, best life. Yeah, it's her sounding life. board. We'll see how God judges you. Okay, so we have Beth's sickness, death, transitioning us into, mm-hmm. I would call it, act two of the movie. And then following on with part two of the book. Where you have the adult women. They're, they're dealing with these relationships. Um, definitely much more dramatic in the movie than they are in the book. I, I don't know why they also with Amy. I'm going to go back to Amy. I feel like she's just my favorite in it. Even though I didn't like the casting for her. Her character, both movie and book, I relate to. So while she's in Paris and Lori comes to terms with Joe not wanting him. And he's spending all this time with Amy. Sort of turns his attentions to Amy now. Because he realizes like, mm, I like her. I feel like in the book, in the movie, I should say, it seems more shallow where he's just like, I'm spending a lot of time with you. This is cool. Why don't we just get married and call it a day? And Amy has the appropriate response to that with like, no, like you're not, I'm not going to be your, your second. I, while I've loved you my whole life, which again, I don't really get that from the book and it doesn't, they try to make it a thing in the movie, which I, I feel like is disingenuous, but the book, it takes more time for them to come together because she even tells Lori, like, you need to do better and then maybe Joe will love you. Like, so he does. But during his efforts to try and win Joe back, he realizes that I actually love Amy and they come together more naturally in that sense. So Beth's out of the picture. She's dead. You're the one that's laughing now. I know. I'm like, cool. Meg is married with Mr. Brooke and he's a nice guy. They have their twins, which I didn't realize they were twins. So Demi and Daisy. And uh, I don't understand to this sure. day why Demi they Daisy. warranted having an entire chapter devoted to them. Oh, I know. I, I'm not going to lie. I skimmed over it. When I saw the author break the fourth wall again to tell us about the kids, I'm like, it. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's nice. Moving on. And I felt like this book never fucking ended. No. It did every time it was it was like watching The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu for me. Every time well, I finished an episode, and it's like play next episode. I'm like, why? For me, it was watch like watching the last uh, movie of Lord of the Rings trilogy, constantly <laughs> fading to black and then coming back. You're like, oh come on! 
Like, why is this not ending? Yeah. I Towards the end of that book, I don't even know if I actually read it. I'm, I, I know what happens, but I don't think I was reading it. Because there's a lot, I feel like it focuses more on Meg in the second part because she is married. Yeah. There's a lot of like marriage lessons in it where she's obviously not paying attention to her husband. And also her mom like flat out says, well, it's your fucking fault. Yeah. Your husband's going elsewhere because you're a crazy, you know, you're batshit crazy. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. If this was supposed to be a guidebook for late 19th century women on how to be as married women, um, I don't need it. I feel like throughout the book and even the movie, it's like we're closing off character stories. Beth's dead. Meg's married off and has been biologically successful. She has kids. We're good. We're done with it. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere. Well, and she knows how to be a good wife. Yeah, like she learns that. They're better. They're happy. Great. Also, don't care. But I have a question. When did Meg and her husband get all the servants? Because out of nowhere, first, first they're poor. She's spending money on silk, so then he can't get a jacket. But all of a sudden now she has babies and they have cooks and servants and some kid that's picking berries out in their garden for them. What? What? Well, in the in the in the book, they say that Hannah from the March's house is going to come and help take care of the kids. But also in the book, they have the other the other servants. Oh. Where did they come from? Um, he advanced in the company, maybe? Who fucking knows? I don't know. They don't <laughs> explain it. This is not important. We're not supposed to care. Yeah, and all I'm doing is reading it. Like, where did this from? That F-bomb is for you, Mo. Yep. There you go, Mo. Another thing where I told you, we're going to come back to it. Who? What happened to Aunt Carol? Who is this Aunt Carol? And why did Aunt Carol swoop in and take Amy to Europe with Uncle and Flo. Who I, are these people? I'm not even going to try. And then they come back and we never hear about them again. There's just somebody named Aunt Carol takes Amy to Europe for months. months I think a year. She's there forever. Yeah. I want this aunt. All I want Europe. the random Aunt Carol. They went to Rome. They went to Germany. They went to England. They, went they were to in Paris. Switzerland, France, everywhere. Yeah. They did it all. But Aunt Carol never, never saw her again. Okay. So... So the last sort of character plot line they have to close off is Joe. Mm -hmm. And in the book, it's with the professor. And so she's in New York. She spends a lot of time with him. She's learning German. You can tell that they're sort of flirting, not flirting. He's a little bit older. He talks about the newspaper that she's putting her writings in. But he doesn't know that she's putting the writings in there because she's not putting her name to it. So they're having this conversation. He's kind of saying, like, I don't really like it. But in her head, she's going, oh, my God, he's going to judge me so hard if he knew that I was writing in here. But why I'm bringing this up is because in the movie, they make a point to have this interaction between Joe and the professor where he's reading her work and telling her, like, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I don't like the stories. I think you have talent, but you do better. And then Joe flies off the fucking handle <laughs> and has an all-out tantrum. And this was probably the most realistic interaction, like contemporary wise, because he's so calm while she's losing her mind and she's saying things and he's like, oh yeah, no, I agree. And she's like, yeah, you have, you're not a writer because you don't do, he's like, no, I, I don't. I, I, you're right. Yeah. It's like, he's just saying, you're right. You're right. But I, he's also trying to say, I have an opinion too. I'm just trying to be honest with you because I think think or i thought you could handle it but clearly you cannot because you're fucking unhinged and then she then she has this speech like 
I don't like you. You're not my friend. I don't care what you say. I'm like, how old are you? Are are you 12? Yeah, she's acting. Yeah, she's acting like uh, all of her critics need to be people who give her nothing but five star reviews. Yeah, she's used to her family. But in the in the book, though, she there is a part where she gets sort of mixed reviews on stuff and it and it she hesitates and she's a little bit more mm, self-aware. So she has that. But in the book, I think she takes it better and she's like, I don't really want to write. I'm not really right right now. But she starts again Mm -hmm. to push from her family. It's just it's a weird again. They just want to put more drama into it that doesn't exist in the story. So. Then it this happens the same way in the book as it does in the movie where the professor goes to Massachusetts for work, mm-hmm. which is weird. I don't know what he has to do for work up there. They don't really give a lot of detail, but he's there. It's convenient. He finds her, uh, Joe, with her family and then comes over and has dinner and in the movie, I should say, comes over, has dinner, starts playing the piano. It's just fucking random. Um <laughs> And then he's like, I got to go to California, which I don't think that's what happens in the book. No, in the book, they just say out west. Oh, okay, okay. They make a connection where he's going to California. They don't say, they don't say California. It's yeah. not all So in the, the movie, they make a very, very specific. I pictured, honestly, like, honestly pictured Montana or something that's like random. that. That's really random. I don't know. I, know. What, I don't know what a professor well, has to do. Well, it's farther west than Ohio. Well, yeah. Well, you're right. Set up a school You're right. You're right. So now we are getting, we're, we're making our way towards the end, the closure here, which the book and the movie are supposed to severely depart from each other. This adaptation. That's the whole reason we did this one because we were promised that Louisa May Alcott was going to get her ending that she deserved. So professor comes at the Massachusetts, spends dinner, family loves him. Family's like, oh, Joe, you love him. You love him. She's like, no, I'm not talking about And he loves you. That's amazing. Like, don't let him go. She's like, what are you talking about? He's out of California. Like, he's doing stuff. I'm doing stuff. They're like, bitch, what are you doing? You're not doing anything. You're living in our attic. She's like, oh, okay. So he leaves to go to the train station or whatever. He's leaving. He's like, peace out. I'm gone. But I think he, he hesitates a little bit. Like, hey, you know, like. You want to do this with his eyes, I guess. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, he says, I could be persuaded yeah. to stay. Basically, he's throwing himself at her. Like, do you want me to stay? I came up here for you. I'll stay. I'll fucking drop everything. And she's like, oh, so oblivious. Just whatever. <laughs> okay. I hope we, we keep in touch. We're great friends. So he leaves. And her family's like, what is wrong with you? God, you're so dumb. And she's like, what crazy bitch and then amy although the character amy's the one like you're being ridiculous just go get him just go get him so in the book and the movie she kind of chases after him not in like the literal sense but she goes to try and find him it's like oh well if he hasn't left yet i'll talk to him and she finds him and he's like hi what a surprise didn't know you'd be here and then she kind of like half-asses her way of saying well you could stay like you don't have to go he's like why do i want to stay yeah let's stay so the movie is supposed to be joe doesn't get married at the end and doesn't have kids right that was supposed to be the ending that louisa may alcott wanted and that's what we were supposed to get so here we are book and movie are the same she chases after him they're standing in the rain under the umbrella and he's like well i'll stay book is he goes well i have to 
get a better position in life so I can take care of you. So it's about a year. And then they end up married. They open the school for boys, which is also different from the movie. And then they, they have babies. They, everyone's got babies. But in the movie, this is what happens. He stays. She decides, uh, because the this is book and movie, Aunt March dies. Again, another death where it's like, oh, yeah, they died. Move on. Yeah, it's like they're dead. Uh, oh, it happened. Yeah, she, Joe inherits the house. Which is kind of a big fucking deal and nobody cares about it. Like Aunt March left the house to Joe. I wonder if it's supposed to be like this kindred spirit type thing where Aunt March is like, I, what, whatever. Who knows? They don't explain anything. They don't explain anything in the movie either. She gets the house. She decides I'm going to open a school for girls and boys. Where in the book, it's just boys. So that's a, another departure, a little more contemporary. Which also I thought is probably mm-hmm. not prevalent at that time to have a co-ed school. So whatever but the thing is that's where we end where the school is in place there's boys and girls running all over the place the family's there the dad again just standing in the background like who the fuck is this dude uh they they have their mother's birthday party amy's got a baby the stupid twins are running around there's kids everywhere and she's there with the professor that's how the movie ends so here's where my issue is i don't think they gave Alcott the ending she wanted. They just didn't explicitly say they got married and had babies. We'll have to go back and watch the movie again, or at least the last five minutes, to see if either of them have rings. I shouldn't have to work that hard. You promised me an ending that said Alcott got what she wanted, and here I am going, how? How? (laughs) They are here together in the same state, in the same vicinity, looking all lovey eyed at each other, running a school together, obviously. At that well, time, obviously they're married. Shacking up. That would have been even more that would yeah. have been even more scandalous. Yeah. She'd just been living on her own as like the headmistress. Just let it go. Of this school. Just let it go. Boys and girls, which wasn't a thing. But no. She chased after Frederick. She should have let his ass yeah. go. She should have said bye. Have fun in California. Right. But they didn't. So I call bullshit. Bull horse shit. Alcott did not get the ending she wanted. Bull horse shit. shit. Bull horse shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about our reviews, okay? <laughs> Jackie, you go You go ahead. Oh, God. Okay. For the book, I'd say the one out of five star review I found uh, pretty much sums up my feelings on the whole thing. I, I seriously, and Mel can tell you based on texts that we were sending back and forth that I, I was falling asleep every five to ten minutes. Just for some perspective here, we typically finish the book's and the movies at the beginning of the week, we do our outlines on Wednesday and we record on Saturday. It is Sunday afternoon right now. And I literally just finished this book right before we started recording. I finished the book this morning and watched the movie while I was working on other stuff as well. So this book, this put us so far behind. Apologies to my mother dedicated to my sister, Mo. I fucking hated this book. And I have read some boring ass shit. I minored in religious studies and my history degree was in Reformation fucking Europe. This was <laughs> 10 times worse than Michael making sandwiches for himself and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, so for the movie, for this adaptation, I would give it a three and a half out of five stars. It was just because of the jumping around. Out of five or out of ten? Five. Oh, you're, okay, you're so then I would okay. say 7.5 out 
No, just be a seven. Seven? Yeah. It would be a yeah. seven. Three point five times three or seven. Duh. We're doing math, guys. Again, history degree. Math drunk. Math is not my strong suit. <laughs> uh seven out of ten for the movie just because of all of the jumping around. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, jumping around is, is weird for people. So one out of five and seven out of ten for Jackie. Okay. I finished it and I finished it on Goodreads and I selected a no rating because I don't want to deal with anybody coming at me without giving it because I would give it, I'd give this book a fucking one out of five. Oh, that's that's the thing that I was going to say. I said, I feel like it's a book if you give it a bad review, you are deemed not worthy of participation in society. Yeah, but here's what I want to say. I understand this book and what it's worth that me saying that i didn't enjoy it does not discredit the classic that this book is and what it meant at the time and what it still means in in literature for for women and for all that like it is it is definitely a great book it's a great novel it's a great piece of art I appreciate that. I did not enjoy it just for the fact that it really felt like every chapter was a lesson in morality. There's a lot of extra information about stuff that I just didn't care about. The author is also kind of all over the place where she she's not consistent in the way she writes it. Um, there's some things she does, like she breaks the fourth wall, which I can totally get behind, but she also doesn't keep the same point of view. Like she'll be talking in the third party omniscient and then all of a sudden she'll say there'll be a sentence as i said when joe's talking so she's not consistent that so that for me was jarring a little bit and distracting Uh, but then also just the amount of well i'm going to describe this now and i'm going to tell you about this now and it's like i don't care i don't care where i'm more in tune with character plot driven stories that keep moving and that's just the contemporary literature that I enjoy now. For the movie, for this one, the 2019 adaptation, I think I would give it, I think I would give it like an 8 out of 10. Um, if I wasn't comparing it to the book, an 8 out of 10. I, I, I enjoyed the actors in it, even with the complaints I had about some of the casting. I think I may not have been as critical on Florence Pugh's acting uh, when, you know, the little girl. Because I just comparing it to the book. And the jumping around for me is not... I know when The Witcher came out, everyone was like losing their minds at the end when they realized that they were not all the same timelines. I, it didn't bother me at all. So the jumping around was fine. I get it. I think it gave a lot more drama. So 8 out of 10. Okay, so here we go. We read and we watch... So you don't have to DNF, which means that we don't DNF, hence why we're recording on a Saturday afternoon, or Sunday afternoon, I should say, Sunday having afternoon, just yeah. finished the book. It took, me, <laughs> I think it took me a week and a half, more than that, to finish this. Where it, I, yeah, it was I so bad. Like, I'm going to say, if you had to choose, go ahead and watch. And I would say watch any adaptation. If you're not a fan of jumping around in the storyline maybe don't do the 2019 maybe do the 1994 one but i think any adaptation will do it any adaptation is going to give you the gist of the story but you're going to get a little bit more of that dramatization which i i feel the story needs so watch watch something maybe the anime and tell us how it was (laughs) i'm actually kind of interested to watch that now um, I also say watch the movie. Uh, it doesn't matter. 
uh, any adaptation, but the only ones that I can speak to, because the only ones that I've seen are the 2019 and the 1994, uh, it's much easier to follow the story because you don't have to deal with pages and pages and pages of Beth and her kittens and stuff. Oh, the fucking kittens. And I like, I like cats. Okay, yeah, you have before like we get it, can three we just, or four can we talk? Can we talk about how, and no, there's always, at any given time, she always had kittens, no matter what year mm-hmm. it was. So I think she's just out there hoarding them, or she's mm-hmm. got like some like uh, backyard kitty mill going on there. <laughs> I, she always has fucking kittens. But just for I her. Have, okay, before we get off here, I just want to say, I think that Beth's character is simple. I think there's something mm-hmm. wrong with her, her obsession with those goddamn dolls, and the way she acts around people like... I don't think it's her being shy. I think there's something wrong with her. And it's she just, never it's, advances. Yeah, she never emotionally or physically even matures. And I think why they just say, oh, she's, and they kept her out of school. They never put her in school. And I, I, I think it's just telling of the time where they didn't understand it. Like maybe she was autistic or something, or maybe she had some it's sort of possible. mental retardation, um, or she had some sort of trauma. She seemed, based on the description that people gave of her, she was some kind of musical prodigy. Yeah. So that's why I think maybe she was autistic, but it's just telling the time that they didn't understand what that was because the way they mm-hmm. talked about her made her seem like she was not right. And I'm, not, I'm yeah. forgive me, I'm not trying to use words like simple or retarded or anything like that, or even to describe that as being autistic. I, we're, I'm just throwing stuff out there where the feeling of it, where the way they talked about her gave off that feel. But my assessment is maybe she, maybe she was autistic, and that's why she was so good at music. But anyway, and that was a yeah. last minute tangent. So we both agree. Watch one of the adaptations. You're gonna get the story. It is a good story. Like the story itself is great. Just reading it in Alcott's method is don't unless you're into that. If you're like a literary snob, go for it. Okay, so that's what we got for you guys. Next week starts our April run, which it's Jackie's birthday month. So we are going to be reading her chosen. Uh, and then what's our first for next week? What's up? The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And that also that also stars uh, Emma Watson. Emma Watson, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So check us out next week. Well, week for Perks of Being a Wallflower. Okay, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.